This is the podcast ICU Rounds. My name is Dr. Jeffrey Guy. I'm an associate professor of surgery and director of the Burns Center at the Vanderbilt University School of Medicine in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back to IC Rounds. The topic we're going to pick up today is uh, the discussion of what a type B lactic acidosis is. Now, I remember in the last podcast, we talked about a type A lactic acidosis. We got into the discussion that a cell uh, requires oxygen to basically for its metabolism. And so glucose will then go through glycolysis and under normal conditions end up going through the Krebs cycle or some may know as the citric acid cycle, and then go through the process of the electron transport chain, that some people also refer to as oxidative phosphorylation. However, this process requires oxygen, um, and there are circumstances, clinical circumstances, that occur when there isn't enough oxygen. Now, this uh, occurs in circumstances where the oxygen delivery does not meet uh, or exceed the oxygen demand of a particular cell or tissue. When this occurs, glucose will then go to pyruvate. However, pyruvate cannot enter the Krebs cycle. That pyruvate is then converted to lactate and then eventually up to the Cori cycle, but we get the creation of what we call lactic acidosis. Now, under most clinical circumstances, we use that elevation of the lactate as a biomarker for shock. And it's important to remember that we keep hammering home that shock is not defined by a particular blood pressure, but shock is defined by inadequate oxygen delivery. When the oxygen delivery to a particular uh, cells, group of cells or tissue is not adequate to carry out the normal metabolic uh, functions of that tissues, then we have shock. And for most intensive purposes in the intensive care unit, we would draw a lactate and we would see an elevated lactate and we would say, well, this is a a marker that we have inadequate oxygen delivery. And in the last podcast, we discussed what are some of those things that cause inadequate oxygen delivery, be they anemia, poor flow, inadequate resuscitation, uh, sepsis. Uh, Those are things that we could say, okay, this is, we have inadequate or adequate uh, resuscitation based on this lactate. And we typically refer to those as type A lactic acidosis or an elevation of the lactate that was due to inadequate oxygen delivery. That was type A. And now we're going to talk about type B lactic acidosis. Now, what a type B lactic acidosis is, is, is essentially a lactic acidosis in a, in a state of critical illness in which the elevation of the lactate is not a result of poor oxygen delivery. Um, type B lactic acidosis are really broken down into three types, uh, B1, B2, and B3. A type B1 lactic acidosis is related to underlying diseases, and we're going to expand on all these. A type B2 lactic acidosis is related to the effects of drugs and various toxins. And a type B3 uh, acidosis is associated with inborn errors in metabolism. Starting with the uh, type B1 uh, lactic acidosis, which are underlying conditions now, you know, going through a list of these, these include things like renal failure, hepatic failure, diabetes mellitus, malignancy, systemic inflammatory response syndrome, as well as uh, immune, uh, human immunodeficiency virus. Lactic acidosis has been uh, reported frequently in different uh, hematological malignancies, such as leukemia and lymphomas. It's also been reported in cases of melanoma, as well as small cell lung cancer, multiple myeloma, sarcoma, breast cancer, oat cell carcinoma, undifferentiated carcinoma, cholangiocarcinoma, and pheochromocytoma. 
It's interesting that when you look at the elevation of lactate in some of these patients, these are really high uh, lactate levels. I mean, in one uh, report, uh, the levels range from 5 to 38 millimoles per liter uh, and had a mortality rate of 93 to 96%. Uh, management of the hyperlactemia results in treatment of the underlying malignancy. We're going back to that concept that it's not the elevated lactate that's harmful or, or potentially fatal. It's the underlying condition that results in the lactate. This is essentially a biomarker. Now, approaches to the acute management of lactic acidosis in those particular cases include uh, using IV insulin. And this is kind of neat. This increases the conversion of pyruvate to acetyl-CoA, and therefore what this does is facilitates the oxidation of lactate to pyruvate, trying to get it pushed back into the Krebs cycle as well as bicarbonate therapy to buffer the extreme acidosis that we see. Now, bicarbonate has been shown to increase lactate production in patients with malignancy-associated chronic lactic acidosis. So even though you think that you may be buffering the elevated lactate, you actually may be resulting in an increase in lactic acidosis by the administration of lactate. Now, on that list, you also heard we talked about systemic inflammatory response syndrome, or SIRS, uh, there is evidence that in SIRS there's an increased production of pyruvate as well as a decreased activate, uh, activity of the enzyme pyruvate dehydrogenase. Uh, and this results in lactate production by the lung and a decrease in lactate uh, clearance. And this could result in a lactic acidosis that we see uh, associated with, this, uh, with a SIRS response or systemic inflammatory response syndrome. We said that lactate is frequently metabolized by the liver, and certainly hepatic failure uh, can result in a lactic acidosis, particularly critically ill patients who have cirrhosis. The presence of lactic acidosis really uh, is a poor prognostic indicator with a, a 7.64 odds ratio for increased ICU mortality. Now, individuals with a combination of cirrhosis, acidemia, lactic acidosis, and acute renal failure had an 86% ICU mortality, and a 94% in-hospital mortality. So now we're going to move on to top uh, a type uh, B2, um, lactic acidosis. And remember, B2 is related to drugs and toxins. And there are several medications that can actually do this, and we'll read through the initial list. And the list is long, but there are some of your favorites and some of the medications we commonly use in the intensive care unit. Number one is, is acetaminophen. Uh, alcohols, which is ethanol, methanol, uh, beta adrenergic agents, uh, uh, including uh, epinephrine, aridadrine, uh, terbutaline, um, cocaine, and methamphetamine can cause a B2 lactic acidosis. Uh, halothane, which is commonly blamed for a lot of things uh, that occur after an operation, but very few operating rooms still have halothane in the intensive care in the operating rooms, certainly in the United States. Uh, iron. Uh, isoniazide, linazolid, uh, uh, niacin, propranolol, salicylates, um, sulfasalazine. Finishing out the list, uh, total parental nutrition, valproic acid, and vitamin deficiencies, particularly thiamine and biotin. Talk about it in some others in more detail, namely metformin. Metformin is a, a drug used to treat diabetes. It has a cousin known as Phenformin, excuse me, Fenformin, and Fenformin was pulled off the market in 1976 because at that point there were 300 reported cases of lactic acidosis. Now, Metformin has been available since 1995. It has a much lower risk of lactic acidosis than its predecessor, Fenformin. Now, Metformin inhibits gluconeogenesis from lactate in the liver in a time and concentrated dependent manner. 
Most cases of uh, metformin are related a lot to acidosis are associated with intentional overdose or individuals with underlying conditions such as renal failure, congestive heart failure, hepatic failure, sepsis, and shock. Another medication that can result in a B2 lactic acidosis, a uh, drug has gotten a lot of um, bad press lately, mostly associated with the death of Michael Jackson, and that's the drug propofol. Now, we have talked before about propofol uh, uh, infusion syndrome. Uh, Propofol-related uh, infusion syndrome is a rare life-threatening complication of propofol. It's typically associated with a metabolic acidosis, rhabdomyolysis. And uh, as well as uh, arrhythmias, and uh, I would defer you to that entire podcast uh, for additional information on propofol-related infusion syndrome. Uh, the majority of cases from propofol B2 lactic acidosis usually occur in higher doses, about four milligrams per kilograms per hour for a protracted period of time, about greater than 48 hours. Now, new metabolic acidosis in a patient with propofol should raise a suspicion for a possibly related propofol infusion syndrome. Another drug that's commonly used in the intensive care unit is linazolid. Linazolid is a great antibiotic. Um, it's uh, great against uh, resistant gram positives. It has uh, biokinetics that are similar to its uh, uh, an IV form, which is great because you can give a great, strong antibiotic without the need of uh, central venous catheters or peripheral IVs. But it has been associated with a B2 lactic acidosis. Uh, it was not reported, uh, this complication, uh, during phase three clinical trials, but many case reports and case series have emerged since those, uh, and most cases occur after prolonged duration of therapy. Talk about um, cocaine and methamphetamines. It's a large number of patients that we see in, in our ICU uh, are intoxicated with both cocaine and or methamphetamine. It was about the mid-1980s that uh, uh, two uh, athletes, Len Bias and Don Rogers, died of cocaine use. Uh, death from cocaine is typically due to seizures, lactic acidosis, hyperthermia, myocardial infarctions, and arrhythmias. Now, cocaine stimulates adrenergic activity. It results in an increased uh, glycolysis, which then results in increased lactic acid production. Now, reports of methamphetamine lactic acidosis have also been uh, um, reported. Acute methamphetamine overdose and intoxication can present as comma, shock, uh, excuse me, comma, coma, shock, convulsions, hyperthermia, renal failure, as well as acidosis. Lastly, we have the B3 uh, lactic acidosis. These are the inborn errors in metabolism. There's a variety of ones that, uh, quite frankly, I've never heard of and, and hopefully I never see in my practice. These have names such as Kern-Sayer syndrome, Pierce syndrome, M-E-R-R-F, and mitochondrial encephalopathy. Uh, um, um, this is mitochondrial encephalopathy, lactic acidosis, and stroke syndrome has a, the acronym MELAS, uh, as well as other types of mitochondrial disorders. Um, these are very complicated types of conditions. We uh, have thought that we've had these in our intensive care unit, and we've consulted both with the metabolism services as well as genetic. Lastly is a condition known as D-lactic acidosis. D has in the letter dog or delta. Uh, and what's unique about this is that when we talked about type A lactic acidosis and type B that was more of a, um, a nomenclature. You know, type A was the lactic acidosis due to poor oxygen delivery. Type B we mentioned was due to either certain underlying medical conditions, medications, or inborn errors in metabolism. And this D is not that we forgot the letter C. But D refers to the isomer of lactate. Now, for chemistry, that isomer is really kind of uh, a mere image of a molecule. For let's, for instance, take your left hand. Uh, looking at your left hand and you're looking at your right hand, the two hands are essentially identical except for the fact that they're mere images. 
the L hand, the left hand we will abbreviate with the letter L. And the right hand, rather than using the letter R, we use the letter D for dextro uh, to indicate right. And so you've got your L hand and your D hand, or your right hand. And we have molecules that have mirror images themselves, and this is known as isomers. Now, what's kind of neat about this is that elevated levels of D-lactate are due to, uh, can be due to overproduction of bacteria in the intestinal tract. They can also be uh, formed from some endogenous production through some other complicated metabolic uh, pathways or even through uh, uh, the use of peritoneal dialysis solutions. Now, what's unique about this is that the, the, actually the elevated lactate we've said in the past isn't really so much pathological, but that the elevated lactate in type A's and type B lactic acidosis are more of a biomarker of something more sinister going on. However, in a D-lactic acidosis, now keep in mind, I didn't say a type D because it's not a type A, type B, and type D, but this is actually known as D-lactic acidosis. But in D-lactic acidosis, the elevated levels of, of um, the lactate uh, are actually the source of some pathology. And they can produce uh, some unusual neurological manifestations, which can range from slurring of speech to outright abusive behavior. And this can last from a few hours to several days. Some people have felt that high glucose meals have been shown to exacerbate some of these symptoms. To assist in making the diagnosis, I guess you could apparently order uh, isomeric lactate levels. And so you can look at the uh, levels of L-lactate versus D-lactate. And what happens is you get the severe metabolic acidosis, but the L-lactate levels are normal. The D-lactate must be ordered to make the diagnosis, demonstrating that elevated D-lactate isomer levels. Now, um, most patients who present with a D-lactic acidosis have short bowel syndrome. And as we've already mentioned, that it's felt that the neurological symptoms and the aggressive behavior is secondary to the D-lactate toxicity to the brain and some of the enzymatic uh, problems that it, uh, that it causes there. Now, treatment of D-lactic acidosis uh, includes the use of a low-carbohydrate diet, diet, saline enemas with patients constipated, as well as poorly absorbed oral antibiotics in an effort to decrease the D-lactate uh, production in the uh, intestinal bacteria. We have actually had a patient in our unit recently who we felt had this condition, uh, and it was interesting to try to, to secure the diagnosis. I don't think we ever nailed it down, but this was clearly one of the things in our differential. Now, during episodes of uh, acidosis, insulin administration may decrease fatty acid levels which may result in increased D-lactate oxidation and clearance. And in severe cases of D-lactic acidosis, hemodialysis uh, may be considered, and certainly uh, you would want to consult with nephrologists regarding consideration for the use of hemodialysis. You've been listening to the podcast IC Rounds. My name is Jeff Guy. Thanks for downloading. You can download through uh, several venues. We have an app available in the iTunes App Store. Uh, it is through Wizard uh, Media, who is our syndication partner, and they've produced an app which will allow you to carry all the episodes of IC Rounds around in your pocket and be able to download those, hopefully on demand, given the fact that there's 80-plus uh, episodes. Sometimes they're archived, and the servers take a little bit longer to pull them up than the more 
recent um, uh, podcast, but you can carry around all 84, 85 uh, episodes of IC Rounds around in your pocket. Also, you can download us through Stitcher, uh, which is considered the uh, iTunes smart radio. You can also get that on your Android phone. We also uh, welcome and encourage any positive feedback. That certainly helps us out quite a bit. If you go to the iTunes store and go to IC Rounds, positive feedback is greatly appreciated. That helps me dramatically and continue to deliver the podcast. Also visit IC Rounds on Facebook where there's a community there, people discussing issues of critical care, and we'll try to keep you updated when there's new podcasts available. Thanks for downloading. Have a great day.